Welcome back to another episode of the Individuation Podcast. My name is James Malamus, and we've got a great episode for you today. We welcome special guest Jamie Kreider from Nurtured Therapy to talk about perinatal mental health. It's a great interview, and we're excited for you to listen. So without any further ado, here's Dr. Lahab El Samurai. Welcome to another episode of the Individuation Podcast. I'm Dr. Lahab El Samurai, and today I have a special guest, uh, Jamie Kreider is here. She is a licensed clinical social worker and she has a secondary designation as a prenatal. A perinatal mental health um, certified. Perinatal mental health certified. Yep. She'll tell us more about that and hopefully tell us about herself and her practice and what she does and how she does it. It would be um, very enlightening to all our listeners. And tell us, uh, where are you located right now? I am coming from you, to you from Chicago. Chicago, okay, great. So that's my old hometown. Um, I love Chicago. Where are you in Chicago? We are in Logan Square. We're in the city. Oh, love Logan Square. Mm-hmm. I, I, we used to live uh, right on uh, the corner of Byron and Hoyne. Oh, sure. Uh, yes, in Irving Park. Uh, Irving Park was... Uh, there was a diner under the L stop that I used to have breakfast at. There's an old couple who used to own it. Um, their food wasn't great, but the atmosphere was fantastic. They were so kind. So I always ended up being there. So um, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners, Jane? Yeah. I'd love to. Uh, and Dr. Lahab, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm really honored to be here. Um, so as mentioned, my name is Jamie Kreider. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and a perinatal mental health certified clinician, which is um, a newer designation. Um, I was licensed, uh, one of the first few cohorts licensed back in October 2018. Um, it would, it's uh, sponsored by Postpartum Support International, which is great to have clinicians who do what I do sort of practicing under one umbrella. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So uh, what is it exactly that uh, you do? So I, I'm a therapist mm-hmm. um, and I am the founder of Nurture Therapy, which mm. is a um, counseling practice here in the Chicagoland area. We are, um, we have two locations and we're on virtual therapy right now. And we specialize in maternal mental health and the treatment of perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, so you work with, exp- uh, with mothers who have had babies and both so we, parents or just one parent? So we actually work with individuals and couples throughout the reproductive journey. So, Ooh. um, Perinatal mood and anxiety disorders is the umbrella term that we use to understand um, any kind of mental health stressor or disorder that's occurring during pregnancy mm-hmm. or in the postpartum period, which is one year following delivery. Um, in our practice, we understand that reproductive health expands much more than that. Um, so we also work with individuals who might be going through fertility challenges. Um, we work with um, individuals and couples who might have experienced a pregnancy loss. Mm. Um, we work how, do you, how do you work with such a couple? What would, what would be some of the things that you would 
talk to them about or work with them on? Um, couples who are experiencing fertility challenges or lot or yeah yeah those who have had loss or fertility challenges what type of uh, what type of therapy do you do with them? Can so we do evidence based approaches, but I also think just being there for individuals who have experienced these kinds of losses or these kinds of challenges. Um, pregnancy loss and really everything that we're going to talk about today. Um, it's real, it's challenging, it's not given enough attention. Um, and so it's nice to create space for our, our individuals and our couples and our families who are going through any kind of stressor when it comes to pregnancy and parenting. Yeah, I think what you do is amazing because I have uh, several patients who did not have the treatment during um, those times when they were uh, pregnant or uh, post uh, that postpartum depression was never treated, uh, never diagnosed, uh, they weren't taken care of, and have carried depression and anxiety for many, many years. So I really appreciate that um, you're working with this population because I think this population uh, requires a lot of attention. We don't give our um, expecting mothers and dads support in society anymore. Right, right. Um, and this is really common. Um, so statistically, you know, the number varies, but one in seven or one in five women will experience depression or anxiety during pregnancy or in the postpartum period. Mm. Um, and this statistic is unfortunately greater for women of color, about 40% mm. of women of color yes. will experience depression after delivery. So it's so important. I appreciate that you recognize it. Mm. And it's so often untreated. Correct. Yeah, I agree with you. I, th I think it. I I think it's missed because they. Uh, I think it's misunderstood as something that occurs during childbirth, which mm -hmm. has nothing to do with that. This, right. is, this is a different uh, uh, emotional psychological condition that occurs. And I think that we um, we live in a society and a culture that focuses on babies. Right. So, um, for example, not in a good way. I mean, in an important way also, but we're missing a huge piece of that diet, right? We're missing mother or the birthing person. Um, and so I think it's sort of important to think about too. We, we look at baby, we, we look at baby as image more than we look at baby as being. And I think that, that, that's what, you know, kind of is strange. Mm -hmm. we don't look at like young families that might struggle or might have issues because they've never done it before. They've never raised a child before. They've never had a baby before, you know. And so um, people show pictures of babies, but usually, you know, just images. It's not what is happening with these young couples and how they're taking care of, you know, this child and because it's a lot of stress for young couples, right? Sure. I think it's, um, you know, especially after someone gives birth, they're healing hormonally, Ooh. emotionally, 
mm. physically, right? You're exhausted. Um, the hormonal, the, the physical, if you could give just like some brief, just so our listeners can get an understanding of what you're talking about. Sure, I'm happy to. So um, obviously um, an individual who's pregnant, their body changes a lot and goes through a lot of hormonal changes. Um, after delivery, uh, those hormones are going back to their pre-pregnancy state and this is happening pretty rapidly. Um, we understand this as a mental health condition, it's called the baby blues. And baby blues represents that hormonal adjustment. Mm. Usually what that looks like is, um, you know, a birthing person will feel overwhelmed, exhausted, uh, perhaps cry a bit more than usual. Uh, we come to expect that in the postpartum period. Um, but this is a phenomenon called baby blues. It usually occurs about one to three days after delivery and lasts two weeks. Uh, anything after two weeks, we're looking at something else. We're looking at um, either kind of a mood or anxiety disorder that's occurring. Why two weeks, Jamie? Um, so two weeks is what has been identified as um, that hormonal change. So baby blues is not something we diagnose. Baby blues occurs in 80% um, of women. So it's more common than not. Um, so this is the body resetting back to homostasis, exactly. right? Exactly. Um, and there's a word that we use to describe um, mothers Ooh. and motherhood. It's called maturescence. And um, similar to adolescence, right? Mm. We expect adolescence is a great time of change, hormonal changes too. Oh. Sure. Um, there's this idea that mothers are also born that there's this huge shift, um, again, hormonally, emotionally, physically that happens, and mothers are also born just like babies are. Um, but so that's what I mean by, you know, all of these changes are happening all at once, and you're also in charge and responsible for this new little baby that's come into your life. Um, and here in the U.S., you know, we don't do this as well as other cultures do. Other cultures have these um, rituals and traditions surrounding moms. You know, when they come home, they're, you know, they live with parents or in-laws or the community gathers around to kind of take care of mothers in a way that's just not here. Yeah, which helps the young mother who is also physically recovering from uh, giving birth um, time and emotional support to uh, reconnect and kind of draw back her ability to uh, connect with baby, which is required really early on because we know what happens when mother and baby are not getting along very early on. It can be very problematic. Right. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I can talk about early attachment relationships. Mm. Um, so Attachment is so important and that happens between um, baby and caregiver. And what we see with um, mothers who are really depressed is they're not available for babies in the way that babies need. Right? So, you know, we kind of need to think about maternal mental health as, first of all, a, a mental health crisis, right? A, a national um, you know, crisis that needs to get more attention, um, but also that can affect multiple generations. This impacts mom and partner and um, baby and community. It really impacts everyone. Uh, and there's some 
you know, we see some socio, social, emotional, and um, cognitive long-term effects when babies uh, have are with mothers with untreated depression. Mm. Um, the good news is this is really treatable. Everything mm. we're going to talk about today is really, really treatable. Mm. Okay. Um, okay, great. Um, so we're, we're thinking of the mother and child and the father or the other mother or the other father or depending on who the parents of this child are, and does not matter for gender. But in terms of um, the mother and the child, in terms of that relationship, um, how, how is it for the mother when she awakens to the idea of the newborn? What is it like? What is that experience like? I think uh, our male uh, listeners might actually learn something. Um, I hope all your le listeners learn something. Um, I think that relationship is different for every mother. Mm. A mother who's struggling in the postpartum period, mm. what that can look like is that she feels depressed and she has this new baby. Uh, I should also say that there's all these myths about pregnancy and motherhood. And one of the myths that we hold is that you're gonna be immediately bonded with your baby and that it's gonna be this love at first sight and that you're gonna be kind of good at mothering right away. Mm. Um, and so I think we tell ourselves this and mothers who are struggling in the postpartum period, they feel like, you know, they're not experiencing joy with, from their new baby. Then they're feeling guilty because they're not experiencing this joy. Uh, maybe they're depressed. Maybe they're really anxious. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're having intrusive thoughts. Um, maybe they're having suicidal thoughts. And they're feeling like a terrible mother. Um, and often we hear this passive suicidal kind of self-talk that says, my family would be better without me. The baby would be better without me. Mm -hmm. That's really painful to experience in in early, in any, at any point of motherhood, but mm. particularly early motherhood. It's traumatic. Yeah. It's absolutely. traumatic to the relationship. Maybe mm -hmm. it's traumatic to the idea of motherhood. Mm -hmm. It's like a, an early uh, sledgehammer blow for motherhood. It is. Mm. Um, at Nurture Therapy, our philosophy is that we need mothers to be healthy for the family and the baby to be healthy. And so our treatment starts with the mother, right? The birthing person. So that's really where, who we focus um, our, our therapy on. So how does, how does your process work? How, is it the weekly? Is it the monthly? How does people, how so, do people see you? What, what type of consultations are there? I don't know. Sure. So we, we provide mostly weekly therapy as um, a, an individual or a couple mm. progresses. It might go down to um, every other week or monthly. Mm. Um, we start with weekly. Uh, here's the I'm, here's the kind of kicker about what I do is we focus on this population, this perinatal population. Mm. It's really hard to get a new mother to come into therapy, right? Mm. What new mother has time to come into therapy? Mm. Uh, 
So, you know, they're exhausted. They're not sleeping. They have this new baby to take care of. They're not feeling like themselves, right? They're feeling depressed. They're feeling anxious. They're feeling kind of um, a range of things. And then someone says, you have to go to therapy. So we try um, as best we can to break down those barriers. So one of the things I tell moms early on when they contact the practice is our goal is your goal. We want you to feel like yourself and as quickly as possible. So sometimes the treatment isn't long-term treatment. Sometimes it is. Uh, It ends up being a nice space for mothers and individuals to come and um, have, you know, an hour session for themselves as therapy tends to be, as I'm sure you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but we do say that. We say our goal is your goal. You know, we're working on kind of the immediate stressors. We're using evidence-based practices to help you feel better feel like yourself and as quickly as possible. Now, some of my clients have been with me for years now. We've Mm. gone through first pregnancies and subsequent pregnancies, um, and it has become obviously something else. But when I'm working with mothers, that's what I'm thinking about. This mother wants to feel better and she wants to feel better fast. So is your practice now on Zoom or is it? So I actually started my practice in New York City. Uh, in 2016, mm. and Chicago is home. We relocated back to Chicago and um, relaunched my practice here. So I've always had a large virtual aspect of the practice. Okay. Uh, and it's great with a new mom who's maybe on maternity leave who the thought of going to an office feels like a major barrier. Smart. Uh, yeah, so that's been great. So mm. we, you know, we did some adjusting, um, but... Mm, we were able to uh, get running quickly. Well, tell me about yourself, Jamie. Tell me about what makes you tick. Why, why you do this stuff? Um, so I, I'm a mother myself. Ooh, okay. I've been doing this work for much longer than I've been a mom. Uh, I've always been interested in this work and not, I didn't necessarily have the name of, you know, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders because you know, I, again, it doesn't get the attention that I think it really needs or how prevalent this, um, this mental health concern is. So my first job out of graduate school, I was working with um, pregnant and parenting young mothers who were, had a mental health condition and they were living in a transitional living program. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I know this is absolutely a recipe for uh, and a, a risk for a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. Um, and we weren't treating these young women like for this. Mm. We were look, working on basic skills and working with how them for- water, How to make milk for child, yeah, I know. Sure, sure. and um, you know, we were working with them as they were aging out of this living program. So it was about independence and self-sufficiency and all of these things that is really difficult when you have a young child. Throwing them out to the wolves, I think. We <laughs> it, it was um, it was a it was a really difficult position. Um, oh, no, no, I know, I, I know the system. I know how it works. Yeah, yeah. throwing them yeah. out into the wolves. It's not us. It's the system. The system is <clears throat> is predicated on that. At a certain point, you're 21. You're out of the system. 
Right. Absolutely. So, kids, because they've been in the system all their life. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you can guess the program had a, a lot of flaws. Like right. the intention was great, but it didn't work in practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I continued with my career and had other jobs in therapy. And then um, I worked uh, at a hospital in an inpatient OB unit mm-hmm. and had some really wonderful mentors who introduced me to this wonderful world of maternal mental health. And I, this is my personality. I learned absolutely everything I could and did every training that was available. And this, you know, wonderful practice was born from that. Excellent. Yeah. So how is the situation in Chicago? Uh, Tell me more what you mean. Well, we are in COVID land or this podcast, we like to call it, um, our regular segments have been uh, Corona and conflict. Yeah. So what is it like in Chicago right now for you? We're up in Seattle, so we're yeah. kind of a, it's a little different for us. Um, I'd be interested to hear about how it's going there for all of you. Um, you know, we've had a lot of COVID cases. Um, you know, it's, it's been hard in Chicago. Um, we, uh, you know, we're a hot spot city. So there's been a lot of, um, new cases every day. I think we had 2000 yesterday, maybe. Mm, um, that's a lot. And this has been really hard for, as you can imagine, women who are planning to go to a hospital to deliver a baby Mm. Um, or even going uh, to prenatal appointments because Mm. they go alone, they can't go with a partner. The experience is totally different Mm. uh, and makes- It's a very scary time for people. It is a very scary time. We've seen more anxiety Um, we've seen, you know, I imagine that this will definitely increase, um, someone's risk factor for being depressed or anxious, you know, during or after pregnancy, uh, everything that you probably expected when you get pregnant and plan to have a baby and deliver is different. You know, even, um, one's postpartum plan, you know, not having maybe let's say grandparents come to be available to help, um, so it's it's really hard. It's you know we're all we're all in this together and we're figuring it out. And it's mm. definitely been interesting to be a therapist during this time. Mm. There there's a heightened anxiety because of fear of an of uncertainty and of um, what can happen that is not controllable, and mm-hmm. um, it's kind of a fantasy because nothing is really controllable, but somehow people have put in their heads that things were controllable before. Right. And that's anxiety, right? Mm. When we don't have control, we feel anxious and I'm with you. We don't all we never have control, but mm. it's, it's very scary. Uh, and you know, we think about motherhood, mm. talk about not having control. Uh, <laughs> Babies, while very cute, are unpredictable. So you come home to this new, unpredictable little boss, mm-hmm. uh, and you lose autonomy and control all at the same time. Mm. 
So I like how you call the little baby boss. Okay, tell me about little <laughs> boss. Tell me about how little boss requires time and effort and energy. Tell yeah. me about how little boss starts running your life. It's true, right? That's exactly what happens. Um, well, I think that in part of my work is we do a lot of uh, evidence-based interventions. So we do a lot of CBT in my practice. Mm. But also what we're doing is just concrete skills for new parents. Mm. So for example, baby's up all night, um, mom isn't sleeping, what can that partner do to help mom? Because if you're not mm. sleeping, you're not functioning, and we know you're more likely to get depressed or anxious and can, mm. not sleeping can impact things like you know, um, your physical health. Uh, your body's ability to produce um, breast milk, right? All these things can be impacted by not sleeping. And I say all this, and newborn babies do not sleep. They're up every few hours. Uh, and so it feels really, really hard for new parents, you know, first-time parents especially. Uh, and when I say the baby is the boss, um, because a baby needs their needs to be met. Mm. You know, there's no telling a, a baby who's screaming to hold on or to go back to sleep. Mm. And so it does feel like you have this unpredictable boss. Uh, and it's really hard as you're adjusting. Mm. So uh, what else would you like to tell us, Jamie? T tell us about, you know, what mm, things you're interested in, what uh, type of things you think about. Mm in your personal, private, uh, public, whatever you want to share? Sure, sure. So um, I'm, I'm grateful again to give some attention to this, you know, public health issue. Mm. Um, because again, we know that this doesn't just impact mom and baby, but it impacts the entire family mm. and communities. Mm. Um, and it deserves greater attention. Um, and even though we know it's prevalent, um, and even though it, I think it's getting some more attention, uh, it definitely doesn't get as much attention or funding as it deserves. Um, so I, I said it's, you know, it could be a public health crisis. It's the number one complication impacting um, women following delivery. So it's the number one complication of delivery. Uh, and it, again, doesn't get the attention it needs. So the number one, and what, what do you think, how many is that? How much, how, what's the percentage of people affected? So, affected? Um, right, we say like one in seven or one in five. Wow. So that's about 20%. Really and as I mentioned, this is- um, Really high. 40, yeah. And we know that this, um, disproportionately impacts women of color. So um, twice as much, 40% of um, women of color. Why, why is that the case? Can you explain that a little bit? So um, I think there's a lot of complicated reasons why that's the case, but I think that there is a, um, you know, inequality in the healthcare system. Ooh. We know that women of color disproportionately um, experience negative perinatal outcomes. Mm. And, you know, nearly two in five women 
being impacted by um, a mood or anxiety disorder after pregnancy, during pregnancy and after delivery is just one of those complications. Mm -hmm. um, I think women of color face steeper barriers um, to getting appropriate care you know, mm -hmm. during pregnancy and after pregnancy. So access is limited. I think it's access. I think it's, um, you know, um, institutionalized racism. racism and structural racism, yes. Absolutely, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, we know that women of color are more likely to die because of childbirth than, mm -hmm. than um, white women. Mm. Um, no, we are, I think we're the, um, we have the highest maternal mortality rates of any industrialized country. So here in the U.S., uh, okay. I want to do something about it. Mm. So, um, right on that on that note. <laughs> um, but I, I think part of it is that you're right. We treat the baby. We don't once the baby is born. We treat the baby. We don't treat the mother. Mm. Um, so, for example. Um, you know, women are discharged from the hospital usually two days after a vaginal birth and like sometimes three to four days after a C-section. I know, it's insane. Um, insane. It's, it's, it's yeah. like you've just gotten a truck pulled out of you. Exactly, exactly. You're, you're you being a truck discharged out of you. two days. Right. It's insane. And you're told to go home yeah. and take, take care, care of, of that truck and yeah. recover. Exactly. Um, but babies are seen by their pediatrician, you know, a day or so after leaving the hospital. Mm -hmm. And if a mother has had a vaginal birth, her first postpartum visit to her OB is six weeks later. Wow. So that's the first time that any medical professional is taking a look at moms, six weeks later. It's different, of course, if they've had a C-section or if there's some kind yeah, of... Yeah, if you had a patient, when would you, when would you see them after they've given birth? So we can see patients right away oh, okay. with, yeah, with child therapy. But, um, you know, I mentioned the first two weeks is, are those baby blues, those hormonal changes. Yeah. But, you know, someone should be seeing that mom mm. after that two week period, right? Just taking a look at her. How is she doing? Um, there's universal screenings. Um, so what about during the two week period? Wouldn't, would it be helpful to, let oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, let mom know that this is normal. Right? Mm, yeah. Let, Normalize let what the craziness exactly. that's happening. Right. Right. Um, and, you know, again, one more distinction about what the baby blues is sure. versus what I treat mm. perinatal mood and anxiety disorders is baby blues go away on their own. Mm. Right, they're you know the hormonal changes that happen. You're, you're talking and about the body adjusting again, yes. The body's adjusting exactly, mm. and it's um, the overall mood is still joy, right? Yep. Your the overall mood is still happiness. Uh, maybe you're bursting into tears during that happy mood, but the overall mood is still happiness. Mm. Um, if it feels like anything else, if it feels like a dark cloud is you know following you, if you're not happy you know, call, right? There's many providers like me that, that treat mothers, that treat, that treat individual 
folks mm. who are experiencing this. Um, but but tell, tell me about your background. Where did you go to school? So I went to um, undergrad at University of Wisconsin. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then I went to graduate school at the University of Chicago School oh, of Social Services okay. Administration. Yeah. Okay, excellent. Okay. So um, anything you would like to add tonight? What would you? I, you know, I'm, I'd love to tell you a little bit more about my practice and what I'd we do. To and what we hope yeah, to do. yeah. Um, so nurture therapy is a group practice. So, um, I, there's a team of us, a team of therapists that all specialize um, in this area of maternal mental health. We're in two locations in Chicago. So we're in Lakeview, not too far from, from where you mentioned you were, yeah. um, and in Hyde Park as mm. well. So um, we serve you know, two different parts of the city. North side, um, west, uh, south side. Mm-hmm, exactly. Mm. Um, we take insurance, which was really important to me. Um, and we also offer some sliding scale, you know, on a case by case basis based on financial need. Um, and we hope to open more locations. Oh, nice. Any time to do that, but we want to open more locations. We really want to, um, you know, one, we want to raise awareness that this happens, right? No one asks to be depressed or anxious, you know, during pregnancy or after a baby is born. Um, but there is, again, um, this happens. There's some normalization to it. Mm. And it's all very treatable. Mm. Um, so that's a little bit about nurture therapy. We've done really well. And we're really grateful to be a part of such a great community of providers here in Chicago. Mm. Um, we really enjoy the... Um, you know, the patients that we work with. Uh, would it be helpful to tell you a little bit about some of the patients that come through our door? Just Sure, that would be great, yeah. So um, usually I have a mom that calls me and um, she says, you know, my, my doctor referred me to you or she says something like, I'm just not feeling like myself. Um, and she might mention some symptoms that are aligned with depression or anxiety, but a lot of this is feeling like confused about why she's not enjoying parenting more or feeling really guilty, um, that she doesn't feel bonded to her child or feeling exhausted or feeling like she doesn't like this. Um, and then feeling like a bad mom. So I hear that a lot on the phone. Um, and the first thing I do is normalize. Right? I like to normalize and instill hope. That's a little bit about my style. So I normalize. Um, it's a good therapeutic um, technique. Right. Yeah. Because it's shameful, right? I think there's a stigma with all um, mental health conditions, but particularly around motherhood because of the way we look at, at mothers, mm. the, what, what we expect from mothers. Uh, what we don't we understand mothers. Yeah, right. Right. I mean, there's this motherhood thing, but we don't understand mothers. We, right. We're never taught what mothers have to do. We, we never, I mean, even in sex ed, they don't teach you what a mother has to do or what a father has to do or right. how much baby needs time. And, right. And, um, and so much of what I learned, I learned from being um, a social worker in an uh, OB setting in a hospital. 
right? Like the recovery process and everything that it, it takes. Um, you had so, a front seat. Right, right. So I know when, um, you know, a, a mother is calling me that she's probably had my card for a while or she's probably been sitting on these feelings for a long time. You ask when we see people, I would love to see, you know, a mom come through my door right after delivery. I mean, that would be great. We know that treating this condition early um, really helps with symptoms and, mm. and um, you know, again, I just sort of think motherhood doesn't have to feel this way. Exactly. So, um, but usually it's been a while. Um, Part of what perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, what we know is it usually peaks around three months. So three months after a baby's born. And again, it can be diagnosed um, one year after delivery, um, which is a really long time to think about the postpartum period. Um, So this mom calls me. I know that she's probably been sitting on my number for a long time. I really try and get moms in right away. Um, and we take as many barriers out as we can. So babies are welcome in our session. Um, you know, we, we don't want there to be any kind of childcare issues. It's always up to that individual. We invite partners in um, so they can understand and get educated a little bit about what's going on with mom. No, she can't snap out of it. No, she doesn't want to be feeling this way. Mm. Um, and one of the first questions that I'm asking is also about intrusive thoughts. Um, intrusive thoughts is a part of postpartum anxiety and postpartum OCD. It's so, so common. Um, and intrusive thoughts are um, unwanted, repetitive thoughts or images about something ha- bad happening to baby or to the person herself. Uh, when what I ask is that? Excuse me? What causes that? It sounds like there's um, the obsessive compulsive. Is that natural in everybody or is that like in? It's, a, it's definitely a sign and symptom of postpartum OCD. Okay, postpartum uh, OCD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes from anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. The brain. The brain looks for the worst case scenario. Um, and, and, you know, what I was thinking, maybe I should clarify my question is that, um, this is, this is most likely mothers who've had anxiety or this could be anybody. So a risk factor for, um, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders Mm -hmm. is certainly a history of depression or anxiety unrelated to childbirth. Okay, gotcha. So it could be mothers who have had anxiety in the past, um, or it could be mothers who have never had anxiety in the past. When I do these talks with moms, I say every new mom worries. What's the difference between worry and anxiety? Mm. And for me, that's functioning. So I'll give another example. Uh, every new mom is going to check to make sure her baby is breathing. Mm. Uh, you just are. I did it. Many moms do this. Now, are you checking? Exactly. Exactly. It's our maternal instinct, right? Mm-hmm. Um, are you checking to make sure that baby is breathing and then rolling over and going back to sleep yourself? Mm-hmm. Or are you up all night checking to make sure that baby is breathing? If you are up all night, you are not sleeping and not sleeping is not functioning. And that's what we want to treat. 
So that's what I mean a little bit. There's um, certainly evidence-based interventions that are needed in that moment, mm. but there's also concrete coping skills that are needed in that moment too. You know, that's when we need to loop in a partner. That's when we need to get that mom sleep. We need to get that mom sleep quickly. Um, so can I answer your question about intrusive thoughts? Intrusive thoughts are really interesting. I talk about them all day. No, no. I, the, for me, I just wanted uh, our listeners to kind of get a better feel for what you're talking about because a lot of our listeners are lay people. So it's always good to kind of, when we throw terms around like intrusive thoughts or this uh, or that, uh, I always like to ask, can you explain it? Because it's always better than, because I could go on, we could talk about paranoia and intrusive thoughts and yeah. uh, sublimation and projection and splitting, but uh, you know, but still so you have to. Intrusive thoughts in this context yeah. would be, um, you know, thoughts or images about some kind of harm happening to baby. And I think what makes them really scary is that sometimes it's, you know, mom or a parent instigating this harm. Mm -hmm. So here's a great example of an intrusive thought would be um, you're walking down the stairs with the baby and you have this thought like, I could trip and fall and, and drop the baby, right? And maybe you see that bad thing happening. Intrusive thoughts are really different than um, what we think about in psychosis. Mm. Um, and I like to make that distinction because, um, you know, the mom's aware of these thoughts. She's freaked out by these thoughts. That mom is much more likely to avoid walking down the stairs with the baby um, mm. than she is to, you know, engage in these thoughts. Mm. Um, and so, but they are pretty disturbing, right? These thoughts, were, we can For be sure. just our thoughts. Um, but you know, this happens to 90% of new moms is the statistic and 81% of new dads. So this happens. So when I ask about this on the phone, you know, and I give that statistic and I, um, you know, talk about a little bit about how common it is, then the mom will be like, yes, actually that I have this thought. I haven't told anyone, it, you know, it really scares me or I, I feel like I'm going crazy. I didn't know what it is. And sometimes just having the language, mm. this is a scary thought. This is an intrusive thought. Um, this, is be, this is because of anxiety, right? This happens. Mm. It's so reassuring. Um, Calling it out, naming it, becoming conscious of it. Absolutely, absolutely. So mm. I like to do that. I like to do that on that very initial phone conversation. Um, and, you know, again, I provide a lot of um, hope, right? This is treatable. Everything I'm talking about is very, very treatable. Um, I will mention that postpartum depression occurs in fathers and partners too. One in 10 dads will experience this. Ooh. So it's, you know, we, we treat mothers right and um but it's not unique to mothers and we want to we want to include the partner in there too very interesting mm -hmm. so um you work with uh young mothers and their babies and their partners and you also um work in a couple of communities it looks mm -hmm. like, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
offices. So how many people are you that uh, work with you? Um, how many therapists are in the office? Yeah. There are seven of us right now. Okay. But we are always hiring and expanding. Ooh. And you know, the more I do this work, I'm the more I see that there's a need. Uh, Huge need. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's great work you're doing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It, it feels really good. Yeah, um, for sure. I really am very passionate about what I do. I, I feel very lucky to go into work every day. So it's good. Excellent. So is there um, other things you'd like to talk about today in terms of psychotherapy or you're bent on psychotherapy or how you see therapy and how you see therapy um, occurring in the future? What, do you have any thoughts? It's a really interesting time to talk about therapy in the future because um, so many of us are virtual right now. Correct. Um, so, uh, and I think insurance companies are recognizing that, you know, virtual therapy needs to be covered and exists. So, um, again, we've always had this virtual aspect to our practice, but what this has allowed us to do is, um, you know, be providers in rural communities that might mm. not have an expert, which is important. For sure. For right? sure. Um, because postpartum depression is looks different than depression and it needs to be treated differently. Mm. Um, and it's a national issue. It's not a local issue. It's not just Chicago. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm, you know, there's certainly perinatal mental health clinicians all over the country, um, all over the world. So I'm, I'm in good company. Um, but it's interesting to, to have therapy in a virtual space. Right? I think we think of therapy, so much of it is um, time and space and going into an office and, you know, waiting in a waiting room and seeing your therapist in person. So it's, you Take know. Take a sledgehammer to all the old rules. They exactly. Um, and I think it's scary to shake things up in this way and exciting. And I think it, um, you know, some of the barriers about actually getting into an office or finding a provider close to you it'll um, change that too. So I have a front seat. I'm just kind of watching and waiting and seeing what happens, but yes. um, having therapy be accessible, um, you know, quality therapy be accessible to lots of different communities is really important to me. Yes. Now that people have access to see therapists across the nation, across the world. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I have I have uh, people, clients, patients who call me from um, Kuwait, from yeah. Dubai, from London, different parts of the world. I have people who uh, seek service. So it's uh, I think it's a new frontier. I think it's an important frontier. It'll be interesting to see what happens with licensing because. As you know, with therapists, that you can only practice um, in a state that you're licensed in. Mm. And what's come up, which is interesting, is mm. the patient has to be living in that state too. Mm. Um, as I that's mentioned, we're gonna for, that's for insurance. For malpractice. Mm. For insurance. Uh, so it's not insurance because um, if your insurance plan is in Illinois and 
I, you know, visit you in Seattle and break my arm, right? I can Ooh. still go to a hospital in Seattle. It's for um, malpractice coverage, actually. Well, that's correct. But it is basically if you are licensed to provide, um, if you have insurance contracts. Mm -hmm. So what's been interesting is some of these guidelines state to state have um, lifted or allowed for temporary licensure. Um, as I mentioned, we're in Hyde Park, which is where the University of Chicago is. Ooh. So one of the insurances that we take is the um, University of Chicago student insurance. Mm. So a lot of the students went home when classes were canceled and mm. home is Correct. all over the country. So yeah. we really have to keep up with that and, you know, make plans. And well, it makes no sense. It doesn't make sense. And if they yeah. could, you know, change it's with the time. It's not exactly. It's not helpful. Exactly. It's exactly. not conducive. It's not promoting well-being because you should be able to have access to different providers wherever they are, right. depending on whoever they are. I right. mean, I understand of having your locales and stuff like that, but I think people have moved on from that a while back. I didn't. So. It's, um, therapy's a uh, very traditional profession right like it's hard it to make to these moves with uh, it used to be it used to be before we had all the executive coaches right. and the consultants and everybody else yeah it used to be when i a long yeah. time when i was going to the old graduate school it used to be a profession you could only enter in certain ways right and right. there were a lot of guards on the doors now right. Somebody blew the walls down and everybody's rushing in to put up a canopy. Right. Yeah. Um, and this old school kind of method is, is being shaken up. I, we have a, I have a fax yeah. machine um, in my home office and in my um, offices. And, you know, I, like, fax? Who uses fax, fax machines it. anymore? But we do. We still use fax machines. Yeah. And that's how I get some of our referrals. Yeah. Um, but there's lots of things that have sort of shaken up this profession, right? So um, right. social media, right? I see therapists on social media and they're putting great content out and it's yeah. really interesting, right? So um, again, this idea of making therapy accessible really excites me, right? I'm a therapist on a podcast. Who thought that would happen? Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, so we, we need to help people understand those who are not in the know about therapy or how therapy works mm -hmm. or what are the different ways that um, uh, therapy, therapy is delivered in the world, uh, those things have changed for sure. Things have transformed in many different ways with right. many different people. And um, go yeah. on. I, and maybe, hopefully, this will take some of the stigma away from mental health, which, you know, as much as we fight against that still exists. Um, yeah, 100 percent. Uh, the stigma with mental health, I think, will uh, ultimately be overcome by a virtual type of reaction to certain illnesses um, and people who are suffering from mental illness. Yeah. I think the more access people have, the more um, 
the more they'll reach out to other providers. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And if we could think about, you know, mental health and physical health in one of the same, right? Treating the, the whole person, right? This idea of comprehensive treatment is so important. And I see this so much in my work because, again, as we talked about, um, there's a very physical and hormonal aspect of maternal mental health and recovery. So, uh, I, you know, this, these are, these are uncertain times. These are times that are asking us to make great changes. And I, I'm glad to be a part of it. Well, it's been a pleasure having you today, Jamie. Yeah, you know, it's really, really wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. It is really appreciated for us at the Institute for Conflicts Individuation podcast to be uh, talking to you and learning more about your practice and the amazing work you do. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so, so much. much. Would you like to um, tell people how they could reach you? you Absolutely. Want- um, so nurture therapy, so www.nurture-therapy.com. Um, you can reach us in our general mailbox, hello at nurture-therapy.com. We're online. We have an Instagram handle, um, at nurture underscore therapy. Um, and our phone number and all of our contact information is on the website, including a little bit about each of the wonderful providers that are in the practice. I mean, they are so fantastic and so skilled. I can't say enough wonderful things about them. Um, And, you know, we're here, we exist and other places out there exist too. Uh, And I'm really big on if you call and for whatever reason, we're not the right fit for you. You know, I help people find the right provider. That's what feels important. Thank you very much, Jamie. Thank you so much. All right. It's, uh, it's great to talk to you, and I hope to hear a lot more from you in the future and hope we could talk again. That sounds great. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. This was the IFC's Individuation Podcast. I am Dr. Lahab Al-Samurai, and I will be back in times of corona and conflict. Thank you again to Jamie Kreider for coming on and helping raise awareness from perinatal mental health. If you want to get in contact with Jamie or learn more about her practice, head over to nurture-therapy.com. For everyone here at the IFC Individuation Podcast, we thank you for tuning in today, and we will be back with another episode soon. at the Institute of Conflict greatly appreciate all of you listeners. Please share the podcast with your friends and spread the word. If you would like to help expand our community, like us on Facebook and Instagram and give us a five-star review on iTunes. I'm Sonia Mahmood and you've just listened to the Institute of Conflict Individuation Podcast. We'll be back soon.